This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. Kayum Johnson is the farm manager of Green Gulch Farm Zen Center. Green Gulch is the working farm of the San Francisco Zen Center and is situated on the coast of Marin on an inholding of the Golden Gate National Recreation Area. Also known as Green Dragon Temple, Green Gulch is a Buddhist practice center in the Japanese Soto Zen tradition, offering training in Zen meditation and ordinary work, including farming and gardening. Green Gulch is a curving swath of sheltering native redwoods, Monterey pines, and naturalized eucalyptus, opening to grass and shrublands that all flow with the watershed down to the coast, where the fresh water and land meet Muir Beach and the Pacific Ocean. As the farm crew make their way each morning, they move with the watershed down to the fields. Seabirds, summer fog, winter rains, and fertile clay loam soil work with them. The farm includes seven acres of certified organic, mixed, cool-weather vegetable fields, fruit trees, and flower gardens, predominantly hand-cultivated. Each spring, new farm and garden apprentices join the community in order to study themselves and the natural world through daily meditation practice, weekly lessons, and daily working directly with the land. Apprentices receive broad-based training in sowing and caring for crops through to preparing and selling them at market. They learn about organic soil fertility management through composting and cover crops, as well as pest and disease management, promotion of biological diversity, and pruning techniques for both production and aesthetics. The thousands of pounds of produce, fruit, and flowers grown at Green Gulch go to a wide variety of places, from the upscale San Francisco farmer's market and restaurants such as Green's, to the Zen Center's kitchens, food pantries, gleaners' boxes, and a small, very local CSA. Working the land is a full-body practice, especially if you're gardening or farming for your food or livelihood. Make no mistake, to appreciate those who tend the land is to appreciate hard physical labor in all seasons, in all weather, at all hours when necessary. A connected community, beautiful days and views, these are often part of the work, but so too are cold and wet and mud, heat and dust, biting insects, voracious gophers. There is bending, lifting, stretching as you cultivate carefully so as not to bruise or unnecessarily dirty the crops you will have to wash very thoroughly for market later. Your back, your knees, and the skin and joints of your hands are tired and dirty every single day. I was first introduced to Green Gulch when a close friend's daughter became an apprentice and ultimately assistant farm manager several years ago. Thanksgiving a few years back, she recommended the audio of a Dharma talk given by teacher Meg Levy. This talk, entitled Right Intention and the Heart of Gratitude, began with a description of the abundance of produce adorning the altar. She recited the produce labored over by the farm crew that season, 28,492 heads of lettuce. 2,430 pounds and 948 bunches of spinach, 
265 pounds of topped beets, 2,118 pounds of winter squash, 843 pie pumpkins, two tons of potatoes, maizuna, green garlic, nettles, lavender wands, and on. I first met Kayum Johnson by way of an article he wrote in late 2015. The article entitled Climate Change is the Mother of All Practice Opportunities opened with this quote by Shanti Deva, an 8th century Indian Buddhist. For all those ailing in the world, until their every sickness has been healed, may I myself become for them the doctor, nurse, the medicine itself, end quote. Followed by Kayum's own words, the disorienting reality of our time doesn't make for explicitly relaxing or beatific contemplation, but it does offer a profound opportunity for spiritual praxis, end quote. As we in the Western Hemisphere enter a two-month period of time traditionally focused on a variety of cultural celebrations giving thanks, Kayum joins us today by phone from Green Gulch Farm to explore more deeply how the demanding and rewarding tasks of cultivating the land can and should go hand in hand with cultivating the mind, the spirit, and one's community. In Arabic, Kayum means the sustainer. Welcome, Kayum. My pleasure, truly. Tell us a little bit about your personal history and the early influences in your life that drew you to a love of plants and nature and gardening or farming. What a wonderful question. I grew up in a Sufi community. Uh, my parents uh, converted to Islam, in particular Sufism, and this has been the sort of fundamental orientation of my life. So early on, we lived in a, uh, a residential Sufi community on the East Coast called the Abode of the Message, and there was a big garden there. I was quite young. And then we moved to the Sonoran Desert in Tucson, Arizona, and neither of my parents had any sort of background uh, in agriculture. Although we lived in the desert, there was no explicit gardening happening, but I did feel like the immersion in that remarkable ecology of the Sonoran Desert was incredibly influential in cultivating a resonance and a, a sort of curiosity about my place in the natural world. I think something about the horizon in the arid west really has also been a heavy influence on me, feeling my humanness couldn't be honest or complete without trying to integrate the vastness and kind of variance and amazing diversity of, of that landscape. Then I studied religion in university and uh, wound up taking a short trip to Japan. And on the return, I wanted to visit Green Gulch Farms and Center because I had become a practicing Buddhist and had, had read accounts of sort of the settling of, of Green Gulch in the 70s by early Zen practitioners and basically moved here shortly thereafter and, uh, with only a couple years farming on the East Coast, been living at Green Gulch ever since. I believe you, you were in upstate New York as a young boy with the, in the Sufi community, and then that is quite a juxtaposition to go from upstate New York to the Sonoran Desert. Yes, it had had a, 
epic feel even you know i was nine at the time we we drove across country in my father's truck myself and my brothers in the back of a homemade camper and initially he had he had a uh, he had some property in the Painted Desert in northern Arizona. So we had moved from upstate New York, the, the Berkshires, where it was such a setting that there was a dozen kids my age, and we basically had free reign of this uh, Shaker village that the Sufis continued to live in. Laying there was utterly liberating to be out in the woods and to be in these old stone and uh, wooden structures and flowing waters and lakes. You know, there was no teaching imparted about danger. It was fully like, go and <laughs> go and explore, uh, express yourself completely. And then this cross-country trip and arriving in uh, the painted desert in the afternoon of late summer. And then within an hour, we went on a hike as a family and we got caught in a, one of these monsoon storms that turned the dry red sands into, you know, heavy flurries of clay and wound up in my father's VW van with this pounding rhythm happening. Yeah, and then moving to Tucson, it was sort of a menagerie of kids' fantasies, you know, rattlesnakes and coyotes at night and giant jackrabbits, tarantulas and scorpions and neighbors had horses. And yeah, it was an epic transition from one really bucolic, beautiful setting to a very different one. And I, yeah, I think the the horizon is, you know, as you know, the, the difference of looking at the sky or feeling light filtered through forest different than um, just that vastness of the overhead when you are standing in the desert. And then there's the transition from the Sufi community and, and upbringing to the studying of religion to the choosing as a, a young adult, I'm, I'm gathering, or a mid-young adult, to change your path to that of Zen Buddhism? I think the type of the expression of Sufism uh, in the United States that I was brought up in was very ecumenical. Our primary practice was something called the universal worship, wherein we would have a service that was comprised of reading from the sacred texts of all the major traditions and uh, lighting candles and kind of holding space, including a, a candle for all the known and unknown traditions. And I think as I moved out of my teenage years and become uh, a young adult and moving in the world, I did not feel that there was a, there was a path that I could actually practice in Sufism. And I also was very aware of my privilege, my health, and my relative financial security. I'm a white male. I have never been called to a, a traditional career. I, I haven't, you know, that wasn't sort of part of my transmission from my family. It was sort of a go out there and, and make a, a financial success of yourself. It was much more finding your connection with spirit was primary, and then seeking a means of expressing that in the world was sort of what I understood to be a good human life. And it was confusing. I was I did a lot of university uh, various times and worked early on in my life. And um, throughout, it was, it was kind of this ongoing inquiry of, you know, how, how can I best affect change or how can I use this gift of my life to better the world around me? There's always the urge to do the biggest thing possible. And then I felt like, honestly, you have to measure that against what you have to offer. Coming to find Zen practice, Buddhist practice, actually, initially, I think the gate into practice was 
pointing to the to the influence of the mind that that actually we can cultivate the mind and contribute most beneficially by understanding ourselves and through that understanding be able to cultivate an appropriate response in Buddhism it's kind of they call it skillful means or upaya being able to be fully present in situations and with some sense of equanimity and and well wishes for the situation step in and do whatever needs to be done with the spirit of generosity and patience and ethics. So particularly, you know, as a young person, it was, oh, this is ground that I can actually cultivate is my own mind. There's innumerable sufferings, of course, at large in the world. And it felt like this practice of settling down and seeing the way that I promote a sense of separation from others. And I have my own issues with aggression and greed and all the sources of suffering that humans have, that by working that ground, I would probably find a way to express and manifest my wish to be of service to the world. And in cultivating that ground, you were ultimately led to Green Gulch Farm. Describe for listeners Green Gulch Farm Zen Center and its original mission and the work that you do there on a a daily basis, Kayum. I think ultimately what I, I would love to talk about as well is how the two are related. To start with, let's describe for people what what the physical facility and and grounds are like and what what your work there entails. Green Gulch is a relatively small watershed. It's a sister watershed to um, Redwood Creek, which is just over Diaz Ridge to the north. And Diaz Ridge is a sister to Mount Tamalpais, which is the primary mountain in, in this bioregion. And the waters of Mount Tamalpais create Redwood Creek, which flows through Muir Woods, which comes and joins uh, Green Gulch Creek at uh, this big lagoon that's right by Muir Muir Beach, where it empties out into the Pacific Ocean. Um, So we are in Northern California, we're in the fog belt, so dry, golden, kind of classical California hills, a long Mediterranean, rainless summer. Uh, We just had our first rain of the season. What a blessing. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, it's such a blessing. <laughs> it's like, oh, um, yeah. yeah, a local, a local uh, native plants pioneer, Judith Warner Lowry, talks about the, the fifth season of this Mediterranean climate, you know, this end of the summer, the last month or two, where the whole earth kind of seems to be holding its breath, waiting for the rains to return. And that smell of mm. moist earth and dust, yeah. Oh. I have only visited and uh, was able to tour through the flower gardens and then the actual farmland that's lower and see some of the apprentices working and attend a Dharma talk and have lunch with the community. It is a year-round working farm. Correct, yeah. Um, Green Gulch uh, is many things. I, uh, primarily it would be called a temple or a practice place. It's known as Green Dragon Zen Temple in that regard. Um, it was founded in 1971. It's 115 acres total, of which we cultivate eight acres. There's an acre and a half of fruit, flowers, and herbs that you mentioned. They're kind of a mix of English-style hedges, gardens, and espaliered uh, heirloom apples and pears. And then the farm, we have a kitchen garden that's all hand-worked in a French bio-intensive method. And then the other six acres are row crop, cool-weather crops, since we have a, a very mild summer climate because of the fog influence of the Bay Area. The, the primary organizing principle of 
this temple or practice place is a residential population, and everyone who lives at Green Gulch participates in the Zen liturgical calendar, the meditation schedule. We rise at 4.25 in the morning. We sit two hours of zazen or seated meditation. We have a service. We eat meals communally in a dining room. Everyone has a work assignment. We have a conference program and a guest program, and we have a grounds crew and a maintenance crew, and then we have a garden crew and a farm crew. We do a six-month farm and garden apprenticeship program every year from April to October, uh, wherein brand new farmers and gardeners come and learn the principles and practices of organic agriculture, while also participating wholeheartedly in a kind of rigorous schedule of meditation and Dharma talks, communal activities. The the Zen tradition is very much um, one of the primary means by which training occurs in this tradition is through group activities. So everyone merging as harmoniously as they can uh, and coming together for meditation and self-sufficient work and contemplation and celebration, of course. Cultivating Place is pleased to be speaking with Kayum Johnson, farm manager of the Green Gulch Farm Zen Center in Muir Beach, California. We'll be back to hear more after a break. Stay with us. Welcome back. Kayum Johnson is the farm manager of Green Gulch Farm Zen Center in Muir Beach, California. A gardener and farmer, he is also a lay-ordained Zen Buddhist who joined the center as a practitioner in 2006. We're back to hear more. I am assuming that most Zen Buddhist temples and centers that include residency have some relationship to the work of life and ordinary life, but perhaps not all of them have this really intensive interdependent relationship with working the land that Green Gulch has? I think that is probably true. I think um, I oftentimes ask our apprentice applicants how they heard about Green Gulch, and they say, well, I did a search for Buddhist practice and farming, and Green Gulch was the only one that came up. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, is a, there is a phrase in the Zen tradition that a day without work is a day without eating. So I think every Zen center uh, incorporates work into it. But I think Green Gulch is, is rather unique in having a production farm as, as actually one of its, as one of the agreements that, uh, that came with the land. It's, there's something called the covenant that runs with the land that uh, Zen center uh, agreed to when the property was purchased from the previous landowner, which said that farming would continue in perpetuity and that the land would always remain open. Um, so we have national park trails that run through. But yeah, I'm glad you mentioned this interdependence. I think I think it really is one of the very special qualities of this practice place that every, all the residents actually get to see uh, the very get to see immediately the, the cause and effect of, of putting their labor and their energy, their intention into um, whatever work area they're working in. For me, it's mostly the farmers that I'm interacting with. Yeah, to see that all of that energy does, the, the circle is closed. They get to carry, you know, they get to work with plants from seed to soil to harvest to then going to farmer's markets or donating the produce that's, that we glean um, to various food banks. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know that other places are able to offer that. This is a very unique 
setting. Is there for you personally a correlation between the practice you described of cultivating your mind and learning lessons of patience and interdependence and equanimity and is there a correlation between that and what you learn and glean both physically and um, spiritually from gardening and farming? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, not to put too fine a point on it, but I I think uh, what we have the opportunity to do is to engage in meditation and action. Um, Every morning, the farm crew um, offers incense, and we chant this short gata that says, Now as we enter our day of activity, fully engaged in helping others, let us remember the one who is not busy and be free from self-clinging. And I think this, um, this one who is not busy is kind of an essential part of Buddhism. Like, how, how can we fully meet the, the, uh, the requirements of our life and not be utterly swept away? How can we maintain our awareness and uh, settle in our, our widest intention, our vow, um, and also get work done. And it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very challenging, dynamic process to engage in, particularly when we're working with new farmers every season. Um, and we're trying to maintain, um, you know, what every farm is trying to do, you know, the, the uh, best practices uh, for maintaining our soil health and structure, uh, producing beautiful, nutritious food, um, you know, and also making the right decisions for the land, for the water, for the elements, and also caretaking, of course, the, the people who are doing the labor. So I, I think, yes, fundamentally, they're, they're, it's, it's an incredible illustration of, of mutual causality or interdependence. Um, and the opportunity, to, I think, to be in our bodies is such a rare one in the in the world. I I, I see. I see. The, I see. Uh, I see my apprentices moving, uh, moving so much more fluidly and relaxedly, and also more efficiently and more joyously by the end of a season. Mm. Um, kind of, you can almost sense this migration out of the sort of cerebral head zone down into their their hara or their belly as they as they do this very physical challenging labor that is also delicate and precise and requires uh, them to become more and more aware of, of a bigger and bigger picture than just the immediate task at hand they're also seeing the seeing these cycles these these big cycles um, occur in front of them and that too is kind of a, a, an essential aspect of Zen training, which is that everything is everything is of vital importance. It, you know, everything requires our our utmost respect, and because everything is coming together and arising together uh, and ceasing together, um, it it demands a, a great deal of humility to. Um, to be responsive to that, to actually listen and uh, and learn from your mistakes, and and continually kind of make a wholehearted effort uh, 
uh, in everything that you're doing. So, yeah, I think Buddhist practice definitely engenders itself to farming, and I would argue vice versa. I think farming um, is greatly benefited by practitioners getting to settle down, have, having a regular practice, and, of course, the blessing of living in community um, where everyone has this shared intention, you know, this dedication to doing a difficult thing, to giving away the fruits of their labor, to, um, you know, transparency and respect and uh, presence and, and ultimately generosity. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that the teaching of agriculture, uh, as well as Buddhism, seems to be that when we bring a spirit of generosity and profound appreciation for myriad nuances and subtleties and miraculous beyond our capacity to identify, you know, uh, how things work exactly, but and place ourselves in the center of that mystery and, and are willing to dance with it, uh, even when it's difficult, even when it's raining or you're hot or you're tired. Um, the, the joy that comes from that is regenerative. It is it is healing, and it is, uh, I keep saying blessing, it is just a blessing to be able to do this work in this way, particularly in the modern world where there aren't so many opportunities to do it. I'd like to read a little bit from the end of the article that I mentioned earlier that you wrote, and it seems to me to really resonate with both your spiritual practice and your practice on the land as a farmer and gardener. Buddhist practice deeply supports my activism mostly by constantly reminding me there is no other or enemy out there, that we are all in this together. Mindfulness draws me out of narrow places and invites me to bear witness to a larger vision of sanity, a landscape where living beings are upright and take responsibility for their actions and seek to redress the error of their ways. This is the part where it gets radical in my mind. And I think that is a beautiful sentiment on what it means to be a mindful person and gardener. I think if, if, if the proposition uh, is that the, the, the way to end suffering is to, is to study the sources of suffering, um, that is studying ourselves, uh, ultimately. Kayum Johnson, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an honor to have you on the program. Well, thank you, Jennifer. I'm, I'm, I'm very honored. Kayum Johnson is the farm manager of Green Gulch Farm Zen Center, situated along the Marin coastline. In addition to his farm management, Kayum organizes community-run gleanings with Marin Organic to provide fresh, free produce to local food pantries and serves on the leadership council of the Marin Interfaith Street Chaplaincy, which serves the homeless community. Green Gulch Farm Zen Center is one model of how the cultivation of our minds and our inner spirit of thanksgiving and generosity can work hand-in-hand with the cultivation of our places. Happy Thanksgiving. Join us again next week as the conversations continue on the many ways people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio and JewelGarden.com. The program is produced by Sarah Bohannon. For this week's audio archive or to subscribe to the podcast, please visit mynspr.org. For more information, including many photos, please visit JewelGarden.com. 
For daily photos and more, follow Cultivating Place on Instagram and Facebook. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.